Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nakert Nibelink. I'm the creator of Apples and Genos and originator of the Zero G Draft Strategy. In this podcast, I'm going to go over the most puzzling players league wide as submitted by the Apples and Genos Discord server. Let's get it. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Glad to be back and doing another Puzzling Players live show for everybody here. It's been a couple weeks. We had some odd Mondays. We had Christmas and then we had New Year's and just didn't work out that way. But we're back and we are loving life. We had some big news in the NHL today. That's a good place to start, I guess. Obviously, we had the William Nylander signing. Fully official now, eight years, $11.5 million per. He had a $69 million signing bonus as part of that total package. Um, $69 million of the total is in signing bonuses, so that's very nice. Good job, Willie. Uh, I guess this j really just gives you some confidence that uh, he's not going to be distracted, I guess, the rest of the way by contract talks. I, I really never thought that he was the kind of player who would be, to be quite honest with you. Really seems like everything, despite everything that the Toronto media has tried to throw at this guy and how much they've uh, criticized him at different points and how much the fans even have criticized him at different points, it really just seems to roll off his back and he seems to just truly enjoy playing in Toronto. So good to see that. And uh, yeah, feels like wheels up for Willie Nye the rest of the way. Uh, did want to notice also Arturi Lekkonen on the ice, not in a non-contact jersey, so that's a good sign. Not ready to play yet was the report, but obviously good for him to be getting in basically full practice at this point. Uh, Sam Bennett, we mentioned yesterday, uh, there was an update today. Paul Maurice said he's fine. They'll check on him again tomorrow before officially confirming he's good to go. Bennett said he feels good, so that's good. It sounds like Jesper Wallstedt, um, might play one of these games against Dallas, actually. Uh, I haven't actually checked to see who the starter is for Minnesota tonight. I believe Flurry was confirmed. Somebody can fact-check me on that in the chat here. Um, but I think Wallstep might actually get in uh, against Dallas. He, I guess, in the uh, media scrum, he reminded the media that he played two quality games in Dallas the past two preseasons against largely the Stars' real lineup. And they play in Dallas on Wednesday, so... Could be seeing Jesper Wallstedt sooner rather than later. And then we had a big trade, actually. So Philadelphia acquired Jamie Drysdale, who Blake and I just talked about in yesterday's show, uh, and a second-round selection in the 2025 NHL draft from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for forward prospect Cutter Gauthier, who uh, you may, uh, if you've been following the World Juniors, you probably know that name from being a pretty significant factor for the Americans and their gold medal squad there. 
Uh, apparently there was some drama around this, like the Flyers were trying to meet with Goche and he was kind of ghosting them and it sounded like he didn't really want to play in Philly. And so uh, I guess they said, all right, then we'll uh, send you to Anaheim. Hope you want to play for them. So that's interesting. Um, I guess like from Anaheim's perspective, they've seen what Pavel Minchikov can do this year and they're obviously pretty excited about that. They still have Olin Zellweger uh, coming up and he's expected to be perhaps even better offensively than Minchikov. Of. and so they really felt like Drysdale was a bit of a luxury and so they thought that Goche could maybe add something to their forward group maybe sooner rather than later even uh, it's an interesting deal to say the least I think on the Flyers side like the only reason you go out and acquire Jamie Drysdale is for him to be that power play guy uh, obviously Tortorella has really rotated through Cam York and Travis Sandheim and now Igor Zimula I actually think Zamula has got an assist on the power play in the game today. Um, but I think that the only reason that the Flyers would go out and make this move is to have Jamie Drysdale kind of lock down that top power play unit. I mean, Torts is still going to Torts, so who knows where that goes. But I do think that more likely than not, Jamie Drysdale is going to see a fair amount of minutes and he's going to be the top power play guy in Philadelphia, uh, at least for the rest of this season and at least as long as the current regime is in power there. So definitely interesting stuff in the NHL today. Mondays are always pretty good news days in the NHL, so that's pretty fun. We got lots of comments already. Let's start it off. We got Michael Dove in the chat. This one was actually... Uh, from a long time ago, uh, 3.02 a.m. I had this uh, queued up, ready to go live, and Michael was all about this and getting his comment right in at the top. Brandon Montour, capable of better numbers or one-year wonder last season. He's absolutely capable of better numbers. Um, this is somebody I've talked about a bunch of times, and yeah, like shot attempts still way up there. Blake and I talked about Montour in, in yesterday's show as well. I have no qualms about saying that Montour is definitely going to get back to, you know, I mean, what was the pace last year? Over 70-point pace last year? Maybe it doesn't get quite back to that height, but you're seeing Florida really come on now, uh, kind of across the board to Chuck's finally scoring points for Haggies, playing at the best pace he's ever played. Barkov even is playing at pretty much the best he's ever played. Reinhardt's playing the best he's ever played. Really good stuff kind of across the board for all of Florida's stars. I think that just means that um, Montour's luck has got to change here. He's doing all the right things. He's shooting the puck. He's just not getting it on net, which is kind of odd. The shots per 60 is not as high uh, rank-wise, I guess, as the shots uh, individual shot attempts per 60, uh, which is kind of odd, but um, I feel like that has to normalize at some point. Montour obviously coming back off a pretty significant surgery. It's comforting that like the stats are there i think of like you know last year austin matthews uh he had all the underlying numbers but he wasn't able to convert and there was underlying wrist issues that were going on there i wonder if there's maybe something a little bit similar here with montour where uh, it's just not feeling quite right uh coming back after that shoulder injury that's speculation, but uh, maybe that explains a little bit of what's happened so far. But I would expect that unless things are deteriorating and going the other way, which we don't have evidence of in the underlying numbers, that at some point these start, these shots start to hit the net and these shots start to go in and Montour starts to factor into a lot more points for the Panthers moving forward. So definitely still consider Brandon Montour to be a big time by low. 
Johnny Jackson in here. What are your thoughts on Toffoli, Evander Kane, and Brent Burns? How do you feel about them for the rest of the season? So Toffoli and Kane are already on the list, uh, submitted by the good people of the Apples and Genos Discord server. But I will touch on Brent Burns here. Burns was a player that I was definitely touting as a buy low uh, a little bit earlier on, you may remember. And he's been hot the last little bit. I think he's kind of cemented himself a little bit more on the top power play as of late. Um, I don't know why they entertained Tony D'Angelo this year, but they did for a while. But it seems like Brent Burns has locked that down. The power play has been lights out the last little while, and Burns has been a big part of that. So he's got, yeah, two goals, seven points in his last five. He's gained 22 minutes a night, 24th in shots per 60, 16th in shot attempts per 60, 47th in individual scoring. Chances is four per 60 on ice numbers, pretty solid. 48th in Corsi, four per 60, 52nd in scoring chances, four per 60 over the last little bit. Obviously, I don't think he's going to score seven points for every five games for the rest of the season. But as of this point, he's on a 16-goal, 47-point pace. And that's with a 36% IPP. Uh, that should go up, quite honestly. The 12.8% on ice shooting percentage might be a touch high, as might be the 8.4% shooting percentage. So you might have some balancing effects there. But honestly, I think the points... Um, the point pace here at 47 points over an 82 game span that he's currently on i think that's going to go up i think you're going to see him in a 55 to 60 point range rest of season as long as he hangs on to that top power play spot antonio here's a little tr interesting tr trade scenario 12 team points league i'm offering to bring it morrissey and trent frederick for matt zuccarello kaprizov and marner i have darlene makar so i can spare a demon yeah, I'd definitely take Zuccarello, Kaprizov, Marner. Honestly, Dabrinkit, Morrissey, Frederick is kind of just a throw-in. Uh, Dabrinkit and Morrissey for Kaprizov or Dabrinkit, Morrissey for Marner, I would absolutely do either of those. So if you can get all of that for Dabrinkit and Morrissey, I would be super happy about that. Uh, M. Johnson says, what to do with Kairou? Let's check in on Jordan Kairou. He's got just two assists in his last five, skating over 20 and a half minutes a night, though. So those numbers are good. Has stopped shooting a little bit in this last little stretch. 144th in shots per 60. 205th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. That part's not great on the season now. 19 goal, 58 point pace. On the season, his individual numbers are really strong still. 69% IPP, which is nice. 7% shooting percentage. Kairou usually can shoot at a much higher clip than that. 9.1% on ice shooting percentage. I think he's got more to give, to be quite honest with you. Um, the Yeah, he's not playing particularly well at the moment, but I kind of feel like we know what this player is and what he's capable of, unless this recent stretch is an indication that he's you know dealing with an underlying injury, which... I don't know how you'd really know that, then uh, I'm not too concerned about Kairou overall. I do think that he should get back to a point where, yeah, I think uh, 30 goal, 70 point pace for Jordan Kairou is what we should be expecting, especially if he's going to skate over 20 minutes a night as he has been in the last five games. Toronto Dave's in the chat, hashtag zero G, appreciate you, TD. Wick says, Nate being a champ as usual. Cheers. Cheers to you, sir. And TD says, the people love Nate. Well, 
can't just be all about pumping my tires here. We got to get into these puzzling players. So first off was Gabriel Velarde. Uh, Blake and I dug into Gabriel Velarde a little bit. He had a really nice game yesterday, actually, and it bumped up some of his ranks in this last five-game sample that we like to look at so much just to get a picture of where they've been performing recently. So... Um, yeah, 17th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60 over the last five games. The minutes have gone down. He's under 17 minutes average time on ice the last five games. That's kind of the uh, potential effect of playing uh, for rig bonus, I guess, right? But uh, yeah, I'm not super concerned about Velarde. I mentioned yesterday, like the point pace he's on right now, 31 goal, 66 point pace for the season. That feels somewhat in there, but he is a hard player to read because we've never had really good sample sizes with Velarde, even the season. We don't have a large sample size with Velarde, and so I'm not like comfortable with a rest of season projection on Velarde, I will say, uh, but I still think he's performing pretty well, so I'm definitely not dropping him or anything like that just yet. And then Tim Stutzla, another player we talked about yesterday, but there is actually an interesting update today. There were some changes to the power play units in practice today. Stutzla was taken off the top power play unit and replaced by Claude Giroux, uh, which is definitely an interesting development. Everybody else is still the same, so it does still feel like, you know, it's not just that they're like splitting the units or trying to do a 1A, 1B thing. It's really just that they, um, yeah, took Stutzla right off and replaced him with Drew. Every Everybody else is still there. Norris, Tuchuk, Batherson, Shabbat, all still there. It's just that Stusla was taken off. And he hasn't been performing well lately. There's no two ways about that. But in the end, I do think like uh, it's kind of just growing pains with a new coach. I'm not like super concerned about Stutzla. I mean, what are you really going to do at this point? Are you going to sell him low uh, to somebody in your league? I don't think that's the right move. Interestingly enough, in a league that I'm in uh, with the Fantasy Puck guys, actually, they started this league for a bunch of content creators. Uh, they, One of their guys, I think it was Chris, traded Stutzla for uh, Kyle Connor, who's obviously on injured reserve, probably coming back. Actually, I haven't checked if there's any recent news on Kyle Connor, but probably coming back in the not-so-distant future, but traded away Stutzla for Kyle Connor. Uh, which I think is an interesting move. Um, if you are higher up uh, in your standings and you can get that done where you can go get Kyle Connor, maybe somebody's lower in the standings and they really need points now from a guy like Stutzla and they're just praying he turns it around immediately, then maybe that's a trade you could explore. But, you know, just on the basis of him being cold right now, I'm not really looking to trade a cold player at less than uh, the value that I think he's worth. I still think Stutzla is a point per game plus player and he should get back to a 30 plus goal pace i think ottawa will figure this out this new system that Jacques martin is trying to bring in a new level of i guess accountability and defensive responsibility that they're trying to bring in there uh, which was uh, frankly sorely lacking under dj smith um yeah it's just growing pains in my opinion so Let's get into the rest of these that we haven't talked about yet. Valerie Nichushkin. Uh, this was an interesting topic, obviously, with Lekanin, the news that I relayed earlier about him potentially coming back soon. Nichushkin's been on fire, basically, ever since uh, Lekanin went out of the lineup. Nichushkin getting tons of minutes. You can see averaging over the last five games, 21 and a half minutes in this stretch. Four goals, three assists, seven points in his last five games. On it. On ice numbers, terrific, as you'd expect, playing with McKinnon and Rantanen for most of that time. 20, uh, 20th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 31st in scoring chances, 4 per 60. 
And his individual number is pretty solid too. 41st in shots per 60, 43rd in individual scoring chances for per 60. On the season, he's pacing for 43 goals, 86 points. And that's with a 57% IPP, uh, which you might expect could actually be a little bit higher. The 13.9% on ice shooting percentage, I think, probably comes back down at some point, unfortunately. So uh, keep all that in mind. But um, in the end, like what you're worried about here is that Lekkonen uh, replaces him on the top power play, really. And that is a legitimate concern. Lekkonen has played over him on the top power play in the past. But I think, like, Nachushkin's just playing so well at the moment that I would be shocked if they just instantly flipped to Lekkonen. If you are worried about that being a potential, you know, eventuality where when Nachushkin runs into a little bit of a colder stretch, do they flip him for Lekkonen on the top power play? If that's your concern, then what I would say is wait till Lekkonen's back in. I would expect Nachushkin to stay on the top power play with Lekkonen back in the lineup and then make the move then once everybody gets to see Lekkonen's back Nachushkin's still playing 21 minutes a night on the top power play that's when you make the move you don't make the move now when everybody's kind of buying uh, trying to buy him a little bit low if they are buying him at all so that's what I'd say about that but I'm overall just not that concerned Nachushkin's playing really well and we have this history that he's played really well there as well so I'm overall not that concerned. Maybe he doesn't hit this 86 points on the season, but, you know, 70-plus, I think, is well within the realm of possibility for Nechushkin on the season. Um, Buchnevich was also requested, just one assist in his last five games here, kind of going along, obviously, with Kairu, who we talked about earlier. 22 minutes on average, so he's still getting tons of minutes. You can see the shots were 60 at 80th is... Um, solid but not exciting but the shot attempts and the individual scoring chances for per 60 22nd and 30th respectively those are really good numbers I like to see that on ice numbers not so exciting 106th and Corsi 4 per 60 70th in scoring chances 4 per 60 um, those are fairly middling numbers for sure on the season now 27 goal pace 66 point pace and overall uh, this kind of feels like what we might expect from Vucinavich. Maybe he gets a tiny boost and he gets up back up to a 70-point pace. But, um, yeah, I think this is just a cold stretch. The underlying numbers are solid for Vucinavich. I'm not concerned about him in the long run. And I do th expect him to be a yeah, 70-ish point player the rest of the way. All right, let's get back into a couple of comments here. Jackson, in a keeper's league with goals, assists, power play po uh, points, and power play points, shots on goal, hits, and blocks, would you rather keep Reinhardt or Forsberg? It's a pretty interesting one. Um, Forsberg elevating his play, as has Reinhardt this season. Obviously, Forsberg accounts for a bit more in the hits category than a guy like Reinhardt does, but Reinhardt crushing on the power play. Forsberg does well for himself there, too. Um, yeah, overall, I think I would take Forsberg just for the just for the category coverage. Um, but yeah, it's hard not to love what Reinhardt's uh, been able to do this season. I think if you're talking about season-to-season -season consistency and what they mean to the team, like Reinhardt's a guy, um, as long as he's on this hot streak, he's going to keep this kind of top-end deployment, but he has gone down to the third line uh, in Florida as recently as last year uh, when he hasn't been performing quite as well, when they've tried to spread out their scoring a little bit. So um 
yeah, Forsberg is just it, basically. It's Yossi and Forsberg and everybody else in Nashville. And so that gives me a little bit of confidence. And then, yeah, the extra category coverage that Forsberg hits a bit more um, has me leaning Forsberg. I don't think you can go wrong with either of those guys, though. I think they're, um, yeah, very clearly in a tier together. Uh, Sony asks, what do you think about the Drysdale trade? I already talked about that one actually right off the top. Um, basically, I think that Drysdale is going to get top power play in Philly. And I think that he's probably the only Philly defenseman worth rostering. I think that Anaheim is probably expecting that Minchikov can be the guy uh, for the immediate future. And then they'll figure out what they have with Zellweger probably next season. Maybe the end of this season, Zellweger gets called up as well. GG in the chat. Big ups, my man Nate the Great. Quick cue. Would you take Wegar or Gudis in a bangers cats with Pims blocks, hits, and shots? I'm shocked at Weeks being as good as he has been. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh Uyghur has definitely had a much better season than he's had in uh years past, especially last year, I guess. Basically the first year with Calgary. Last year where nothing went right for anybody. Uyghur has been getting more power play time this year, which has definitely contributed to some of that. But he's definitely also just playing better. See over the last five games, four points here. And 10th in individual scoring chances for per 60 amongst all defensemen, 22 minutes a night. On ice numbers are really good as well. Uyghur's definitely been playing well. And yeah, on the season, 18 goal, 49 point pace. Numbers are good. Shot Shots per 60 is 18th amongst all defensemen while skating 22 minutes a night. That's good. The IPP is maybe a little high, but overall, uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to score 18 goals on the season. That shooting percentage is a bit high for him as well. Um, but overall, yeah, I think he's going to be 40, 45 point player um, probably at the when all is said and done. And yeah, he's going to provide you with a lot of bangs with Pims as well. Yeah, I, I still think it's weaker. Um, I do think this is fairly sustainable. I think Hannafin is probably going to get traded maybe at the deadline. Um, but I think he's on his way out and Weegar's there for the long haul. And so I do think that um, Weegar is going to be the guy they lean on rest of season. Uh, the guy that they're going to play in most situations. They're going to keep him on the power play. It's been a while now that actually Weegar's been on the power play. I don't expect that to change anytime soon. So uh, yeah, I think I'd take Weegar there. Sony says, sorry for touching on the Drysdale trade. No problem there. Jackson says, who's your top fingers top favorite bangers pick hits blocks for this week to stream uh probably yanny hockenpah from dallas uh dallas has the three off nights to start the week um i guess yeah when do the the dallas game has already started yeah so you're not getting them in for tonight but with the off nights this week hockenpah was a guy that i was interested in another guy was nick sealer off of the flyers big hits and blocks guy as well but hockenpah kind of clears everybody for this week in my opinion all right, let's get back over to it. Another guy who does some hitting from time to time is a little bit known for that sort of thing is Evander Kane. He has not done much of the scoring lately, though. Just one goal in his last four games, as you can see here on the screen. 24th in shots per 60, though, still. Um, I think what people are most concerned about is the fact that he's gotten kind of demoted, I guess you could say, down the lineup. He's playing with Derek Ryan and Matthias Janmark, while Warren Fogel and Ryan McLeod play with Leon Dreisaitl, and obviously the Oilers are winning, and so they don't have a lot of incentive to promote Kane further up the lineup. 
overall, like I'm just not concerned about Kane uh, in the long term. These lines are going to change uh, once you know the Oilers hit another uh, slightly rough stretch. They'll change things around again, and Kane should be back. You can see like the shot numbers are still there. He's doing what he normally does. It's just he's getting some bad deployment at the moment. I don't think that's going to last. So overall not really concerned about Kane in the long term. It does suck. Uh, there's no two ways about it for the immediate uh, future. And maybe you want to play some players over him if you've got um, some sit-start decisions involving Evander Kane. Uh, but in terms of rest of season, I'm not concerned. Jonathan Huberdo is another player that we got to talk about. We've been talking about him as an obvious drop. And now all of a sudden, you look up and he's got a couple goals, five points in his last five games, skating over 17 minutes a night. That's not terrible, I guess. Um, 264th still in shots per 60, 267th in individual scoring chances for per 60, 100th in Corsi for per 60, 136th in on-ice scoring chances for per 60. Obviously, that's not ideal, but he is back playing with Elias Lindholm and Yegor Sharangovich, who's another player uh, that was requested here. And that's kind of as good as it gets, really, at the moment, I guess, uh, over there. Not really playing on the top power play unit, although they have kind of split the units a little bit more as of late there in Calgary. On the season, 12-goal, 41-point pace. Uh, yeah, the numbers are pretty putrid still on the season for Huberto. I'm not excited about Huberto. Like, it's just really hard to be... Uh, underlying numbers are not good. I think this is probably just some positive regression after he was playing poorly, plus having um, bad luck metrics. So I think this is just some natural positive regression for Huberto, and I'm just not excited. I'm like I've looked at him on the waiver wire in multiple leagues and just passed straight over him for others. Like I would pick up Igor Sharangovich. We can talk about here who has three points in his last five games, but skating 20 minutes a night, 68th in shots per 60, 18th in individual scoring chances, four per 60. This is easily the best stretch of Yugo Sharangovich's career to date, and he's getting a real chance to prove himself there in Calgary at the moment. And overall, I'm just way more interested in Sharon Govich than I am in Huberto at the moment. More ice time, better underlying numbers. Uh, everything is pointing towards Sharon Govich for me uh, if you're choosing kind of between the two. So that's my take on the Huberto Sharon Govich dynamic that's currently going on there. And we'll keep rolling. Tom Wilson. Yeah, interesting one. We talked about Tom Wilson, I think, last week, Blake and I. Uh, one goal in his last five games, 18 minutes average time on ice. Still playing on the top line in the last game, uh, I believe. Uh, actually, I believe they changed that up mid-game, if I'm remembering correctly. There was some talk about that because Pacioretty ended up on that line for a bit with Dylan Strom. Yeah, so... Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I guess I could check game day tweets and see if we've got any updates from practice or anything. Uh, it doesn't look like we've got anything there. So until further notice, um, yeah, it's a little bit trying to figure out where Tom Wilson fits into this. If he's staying on the top power play, um, which I kind of feel like he's going to. I feel like if anyone comes off the top power play that they iced the last game, it's Evgeny Kuznetsov, and they put Max Pacioretty in. Tom Wilson as the net front guy, I don't think he's really going to change there. So I think his top power play role is secure, but the top line alongside Ovechkin is probably a little bit more up in the air. The underlying numbers have been really bad for Wilson the last little bit, and that's the most concerning part here. I think in like points or points-only leagues, definitely you don't need to be hanging on to Tom Wilson, but 
in bangers leagues he hasn't even been doing that as much as he has in the past which is probably why most managers are a little bit um a little bit less excited about uh, Tom Wilson these days. Overall, I think I'm trying to hang on to him in like a bangers cats or something like that. I don't think I'm quite ready to, you know, go that far to say I'm dropping Tom Wilson in a bangers cats league. Uh, but he is definitely starting to teeter on that edge where you're like, man, is it really worth my time to hang on to this guy? He's still got a couple of four shot games in his last three here. He's still putting up the hits numbers. Um, maybe not like insane hits numbers that uh, you might expect in the last little bit here, but he's got a four hit game. He's got some three hit games, two hit games. He's still throwing hits out there for you. That's really solid stuff, uh, honestly. So in Bangers Cats, I think I'm still hanging on to Tom Wilson. Uh, but definitely the lack of scoring is what's really hurting you here. If you look back even further than this sample that uh, my sheet pulls here, he's only got one point, that one goal in his last 10 games, actually. Um, and so that part is uh, definitely pretty scary. So that's the, that's the kind of yin and yang that you're dealing with here. The... Uh, hits are still there, so that's good for Bangers Cats. The shots have been really up and down, which is probably the hard part to deal with. One shot, one shot, one shot, four shots, zero shots, four shots. That's the part that's hard to deal with currently with Tom Wilson. So he's on the edge for me. I'm trying to hang on, but I'm not going to fault you in a points league uh, for dropping Tom Wilson at this point. Ricky Garcia in the chat. Since we're talking Flames, any thoughts on Kadri? He's been a pleasant surprise this year. Uh, yeah, Kadri is someone who always shows up well in the metrics that I like to look at. He's got four goals, five points in his last five here. 38th in shots per 60, 10th in individual scoring chances, four per 60. On ice numbers are solid, 58th in Corsi, four per 60, 56th in scoring chances, four per 60. On the season now, pacing for 27 goals, 62 points. Uh, I haven't checked my projections. Um, beginning of season projections for Kadri recently, but I wager I guess that's about where I had him. And yeah, the underlying numbers all looking fairly solid here. I'm not seeing anything too much. I think 27 goals, 62 point Kadri is maybe what we should expect rest of season. Um, I wouldn't be too shocked if he continues to hit that. So I think he kind of is what he is and I'm not expecting much more, but I'm definitely not expecting less at this point either. All right, Quentin Byfield, three assists in his last five. Uh, Byfield is an interesting one. He ha has had some flashes here where he's shown some solid shot generation. Then the last two games, he's got zero shot and one shot against Detroit and Washington. You figure he should be able to put up some shots against teams like that. Before that, he had a four-shot game, a three-shot game. That's not too bad. He's gone six straight now without a goal, but before that, he had two goals. So you're kind of getting a little bit of that uh, hot and cold there with Quinton Byfield as well. Averaging 17 minutes a night, honestly, that's about as good as it gets uh, without short-handed time there in L.A. So that's about as good as you can expect for Byfield. 171st in shots per 60 over the last five, 230th in individual scoring chances, four per 60. It's the on-ice numbers that have really always stood out with Byfield ninth Whew, that was a good uh, <laughs> that was a good uh, vocal flub there I'm still working my way back uh, from being sick but uh, bear with me ninth in Corsi four per 60 over the last five games 55th in scoring chances four per 60 
So that's the part that's obviously intriguing about Byfield on the season now at 23 goals, 64 point pace. The minutes have come up. The on-ice numbers have just been so solid. And that's the part that's really intriguing. I think like you look at the IPP at 65%, the shooting percentage, 13.9%, on-ice shooting percentage, 12.8%. Kind of feel like all of that is fairly sustainable. Um, but I don't really know if we're going to get enough minutes out of Byfield to see any ceiling beyond this. And he's really got to shoot more for him to hit a uh, really... Yeah, either he's got to get more minutes, which we don't think is going to happen in LA because they like to spread things out so much. It would take probably, you know, like two major injuries in their top six, top nine for them to start leaning on a top six more heavily and not just rolling the top nine the way that they currently do. So unless that happens, you expect that this will stay relatively the same. I think Victor Arvidsson is on his way back in the not so distant future. So they're actually getting reinforcements in that regard. Uh, so you can't expect the deployment to change anytime soon. Uh, in a positive manner anyway and then the shots is what you would have to lean on for him to really take the next step in terms of chance generation and uh, starting to be even more efficient with the minutes that he is getting so I think that 23 goals 64 point pace maybe that's about what we should expect for Byfield he does have a ceiling beyond that because he's clearly starting to really figure things out in this season and I am excited about you know a potential next step for Byfield but maybe that doesn't come this season maybe you know that doesn't come while he's a member of the LA Kings in this iteration of the Kings where they have all this talent in the top nine that they're going to continue to cycle through so um yeah just some thoughts there uh, I'm tempering my expectations for Byfield, but I do think that the ceiling there is really exciting. And so I'm continuing to hold Byfield where I have him and just being a little bit patient. He's kind of on the edge of streamer territory in terms of what he's giving you in most points leagues here. Um, but I think the ceiling is just so tantalizing uh, with Byfield that I'm continuing to hang on, even though like my, uh, I would say that my, uh, the cerebral side of my uh, being is telling me, my brain is telling me that uh, you should probably just accept that Byfield is this 23 goal, 62 point guy who's probably somewhat replaceable in a lot of leagues. Uh, but my heart is telling me that Byfield's got an untapped ceiling that might break through and he might just be fancy gold at some point this season yet. So the war between the head and the heart, you have it here on the Apples and Genos podcast. Aman is in the chat, 14 teams, uh, points league, Tuck. Is he a keeper? I believe it's the question here. Um, depends how many keepers, uh, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think where I would probably draw that line. Uh, I think Tuck in a 14-team league is probably like a fourth-round pick, maybe fourth, fifth-round pick uh, if we're redrafting today. So maybe like a keep five. I would say that Tuck is a keeper for sure. Keep four it's definitely a little bit more on that line. So that's my quick take without any further information on that one. Uh, Eunice Corpusalo. So let's talk about, obviously the Senators, we talked about it with Stutzla there, trying to figure out a new coach's system here. And Corpusalo has not been good, obviously, on the season. 889 save percentage on the season. Uh, that show ain't no good, as my dear friend Blake would say. But... You know, I think the alternative here is Anton Forsberg, who also has an 889 save percentage. Forsberg did have a fairly nice game against Edmonton in a loss. He had, he faced 46 shots and only gave up three goals, which I guess is a win, 935 save percentage. Um, he got 
beat up against Vancouver the game before that. And then the game before that, he had another 46 uh, shot uh, shots against him against Buffalo and ended up making 45 saves. Uh, so he had a terrific outing there. It's really kind of up and down and all over the map with Corpus, uh, with the uh, Forsberg rather this season. And in the end, both these guys are kind of uh, just leveling out to the same uh, level of play. I don't have a strong take between Corpusello and Forsberg rest of the season. I think they're going to most likely just alternate these guys and try to get one on a roll and then roll with that one. Um, but until Ottawa as a team figures it out, I don't think you can really trust either of them. Maybe you're looking at them as a stream, like they do have a game against uh, San Jose this week. Uh, so if you need a goalie streamer on Saturday, then you can go ahead and do it then. That's about as good as it gets uh, that I could say for any of these Senator goalie options at the moment. Tyler Toffoli was requested two goals, four points in his last five games. That's actually pretty solid uh, for Tyler Toffoli. I think there's... Um, been a perception that he hasn't been great definitely before this he had gone through some large stretches where he'd put up a bunch of zeros he had a six game pointless streak then scored a goal and assist no three games without a point and then uh, has had some decent games here in the last little bit i guess we can say now obviously jack hughes is out the devils have just been completely beset by injury hamilton hughes missing big chunks of time now timo meyer on ir Jonas siegenthaler is one of their better defensive defensemen uh, going out uh, this past weekend as well tyler Tafoli, um you would think that he would get more minutes in that game against vancouver he only skated 16 18 um maybe he gets more minutes moving forward and we can lean into that a little bit um the underlying numbers are just okay uh, tending towards not that great 121st in shots per 60 153rd in individual scoring chances four per 60 hard to see that really improving without hughes there who's been a constant lineup uh line mate there uh, on the season 34 goal 60 point pace that's with a 46 percent ipp figure you can get into a little bit more than that uh shooting percentage at 14.6 feels all right 12.9 percent on ice shooting percentage feels all right with hughes in the lineup not so good with hughes out of the lineup overall i think that yeah 34 goals 60 point to foley is probably what we should expect maybe uh it's hard to say if he does get more minutes uh in the upcoming week while hughes is out and they just kind of lean on Toffoli and they lean on Nico Heischer and they lean on the guys that they do have still healthy even more, then maybe there's a little bit more of a ceiling just by virtue of volume for these guys, including Toffoli. But obviously it's not really a net positive ever when Jack Hughes is uh, out of the lineup for anyone there in New Jersey. So um, yeah, I think 60 point to fully is what we should expect. 30 to 35 goals, 60 point to fully as a pace from here on out is what we should really expect. Uh, Michael Redzone in the chat. I'm butchering that name. I'm I'm completely positive, and I do apologize. But he asked, did Nate already talk about Elvis? I have not gotten there yet. He's coming up. Um, Matt saying, party town. Oof, I have Mr. J. Hughes. Yeah, that uh, feels bad at the moment, for sure. But hopefully he's going to be back. 
It sounds like he's not going to have surgery, which is obviously the worst case scenario there. Let's, uh, we will talk about Elvis Merzlikens here in a moment, but first we got to talk about Trevor Zegras. Had two goals last night, nearly cost me, Mike, a couple matchup along with Mark Shifley. Both those guys had a couple goals, and I thought I was sitting pretty and I could make, uh, get, get ahead of the week upcoming drop cam Fowler who's playing that night and make an ad uh, for the upcoming week and uh, nearly came back to burn me. I only won my matchup by five points and definitely if Zegers had scored in overtime or something like that, uh, it was trending towards that before Detroit scored in like the last minute of play there. So it was very close uh, in the end, but uh, good to see Trevor Zegers getting a couple goals up to three points in his last five here, skating over 19 minutes a night. That's good numbers there. 147th in shots per 60, but only 319th in individual scoring chances for per 60. On ice numbers are not great. 135th in Corsi 4 per 60, 182nd in scoring chances for per 60. On the season, the numbers are going to look really bad. Um, he was playing injured definitely earlier and then came out of the lineup. I think he's looking better since coming back, but the points haven't really been there. And his underlying numbers are just okay, not terrific, but he is getting good volume. And that's something that I think we can hang our hats on a little bit getting top line top power play deployment Troy Terry came back in the game yesterday and that obviously provided a boost to Zegris so I'm cautiously optimistic I would say on Zegris um, to get back to what we thought he could be uh, maybe from the rest of the season onwards and I think that yeah for Zegris and Terry to be quite honest I think both of these guys we could be looking at a situation where they both point uh, pace for maybe like a 70 point pace rest of the season I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility by any stretch uh, if they can just get some consistency, uh, both actually play, be in the lineup consistently, get used to each other again. Um, yeah, I'm hopeful that that can be the case for both of those guys and they can uh, start to figure things out here in the back half because I do think they're both very talented players and they just need to have a chance to get some consistency together and figure it out uh, over a period of games. All right, Elvis Mers Leakins. Let's talk about it. So Merzlikens, um, basically from what I understand, yeah, he has missed now four straight games. He, uh, I guess, has been missing games due to illness. And then uh, I don't really have a better update than that. I'm going to try to find one here live and try to figure out uh, what exactly has been going on. Um trying to find the latest tweet from anyone on Merzlikens. Maybe they're holding him out for a potential trade. Obviously, Columbus's season uh, definitely not going uh, very well at the beginning uh, of the new year here. Um, I think that that might be what they're trying to do here. Um, I'm going to dig into this a little bit more. Maybe we'll move on and talk about a few other things and I can dig into this uh, even a little bit more. But yeah, I'm really not seeing anything, uh, to be honest. So all I can say is maybe they're holding him out. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe they're holding him out uh, as a potential trade ship and maybe they were getting thought they were getting close on a trade somewhere. And um, that's why they were doing it. Maybe they thought that uh, 
you know, they're waiting to see what uh, happened with Toronto with Martin Jones, and then Martin Jones went and had a great week last week, and now they can't uh, trade him to Toronto. Who knows uh, what goes on behind the scenes here. But um, if you have Merzlikens, yeah, I think you have to drop him for now unless you have better inside information than I'm able to find just scrolling Twitter, basically, at this point. So, yeah. Sorry for the diversion there, but uh, yeah, I don't have a good read on the Merzlikin situation at the moment, but I would drop him for now until he gets back into the net. Maybe they're just really trying to see if Tarasov can develop some sort of uh, some sort of uh, consistency. He's played decently well in a couple of uh, in a couple of games, uh, so yeah. Seeing what Tarasov can do, seeing what Spencer Martin can do, give Merzlikens a break. He did play a really uh, ton of games in the early going this year, so maybe that's what's going on. My guess would be that they're trying to find a trade partner for Elvis Merzlikens, and that's why they're holding them out. They don't want to risk injuring him and uh, yeah, losing one of their potential trade chips. Uh, Travis Sanheim, just one assist in his last five games, getting 22 minutes a night. The minutes have come down here earlier in the season. He was averaging like 26 plus. So that's really come down. Obviously, now they've traded for Jamie Drysdale. And that's just puts an absolute cap on Sanheim's power play potential. I really don't think he's going to see any power play time at all, probably rest of season. And so I really don't think you're looking at Sanheim, like, honestly, like, he might just be like a 30, 35 point pace guy, uh, rest of season. And even that might be a tiny bit generous. Um, it's crazy how, how fast he's fallen from where he was before, but yeah, his underlying numbers have really gone down as well. Um, you'd expect them to go down a little bit, uh, given that he's not getting power play deployment anymore, but definitely, I think he's just playing worse, uh, definitely than he has in the past as well. So not interested in Travis Sanheim. I think you can safely drop him uh, in pretty much every league at this point. Matthew in the chat. Hello, thoughts on Mercer's value in the short term with Hughes out and the long term. He was a second half performer last year. Yeah, I'm interested in Dawson Mercer. The underlying numbers have not been great for Dawson Mercer this year, which is interesting because I thought that he could, you know, potentially take a step this year. Um three goals in his last five here 19 plus minutes you'd expect that that's not going anywhere as long as Hughes is out I think that Mercer is definitely uh, a player that they like there that they're going to use in a lot of situations I just don't know if you can see how terrible the season-long numbers are there 300th plus ranks across the board shots for 60 individual scoring chances four for 60 on ice numbers as well I don't know what I really realistically see as a ceiling for Dawson Mercer on the season. You know, maybe he's performing a little bit better, and so he gets to like a 50-point pace uh, rest of the season. Maybe in this short stretch here without Hughes in the lineup, he skates like 20-plus minutes, and maybe he's into like a 55-60 point pace while Hughes is out. Uh, maybe he gets hot, and he goes for a little bit better than that. Maybe he hits point per game for three, four, five games here. That's possible. I just... Uh, yeah, I'm not excited by Dawson Mercer, I guess is what I would say at this point. Um, I think that he's got some value in the short term for sure, but I'm definitely not super excited about the long-term value uh, for this year. All right, we're getting towards the end here. Johnny Goodrow, one goal, two assists, three points in his last five, 18 and a half minutes, average time on ice. On it, uh, The individual numbers are atrocious here from Johnny Goodrow. 334th in shots per 60, 368th in individual scoring chances, four per 60 on ice numbers, not much better. 
and it's just really hard to see how Johnny Goodrow is going to salvage this season if he's not doing it himself. The rest of the team, he's really got to pull them along with him. You see Kirill Marchenko here, a guy that I was really excited about. His numbers have fallen off. At least he's shooting a little bit more again recently, up to 101st in shots for 60 over his last five, but he's only got one assist and down to 15 minutes average time on ice. Uh, signs are not good in Columbus. Uh, I've said before, I don't think Pascal Vincent is a good coach. I don't think he knows how to get things out of his players, and I don't think he knows how to ice an NHL-ready system, uh, especially defensively. Uh, whenever I've watched the Columbus play, they're just constantly getting run around in their own zone. Nobody knows where they're supposed to be. It's a true train wreck in slow motion situation in their own zone. So that's just hard. It's hard to create offense when you're constantly behind in the defensive half of the ice. So I just think that it's a worst case scenario once again for Columbus, which is just really tough to see. Obviously, you know, line A can come back and that'll give them some boost. Jenner can come back, that'll give them some boost. But I'm really struggling to see what the real upside for Johnny Goudreau is. If he's not shooting, he's pacing for 14 goals, 50 points on the season. And like, yeah, his shooting percentage should be higher. His IPP should be higher. So maybe he should be in like a 60 to 65 point range. But even that, like if he's not even going to approach like 25 goals as a pace for the rest of the season how valuable is this player to you so if you need to drop Johnny, Johnny Goudreau I think uh, you have my permission my blessing to do so Rupe hints four goals no assists in his last five here averaging over 18 minutes a night uh, individual numbers not so hot 157th in shots for 60 191st in individual Scoring chances 4 per 60, but the on-ice numbers, as you'd expect, pretty solid. 30th and Corsi, 4 per 60. 21st in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Uh, I guess I could check here. Yeah, he's got another goal tonight. Um, so good stuff from Rupert Hints in the last little bit in terms of the goal scoring at the very least. On the season now, 34 goal, 75-point pace. And yeah, I think we're we're back with Baby Dread. Um, I think that he's efficient in a lot of the ways that... Uh, a guy like Leon Dreisaitl is, and that's where I coined the nickname from. I think the IPP has room to grow, quite honestly. I think he can get past point per game and be point per game plus rest of season. The on-ice shooting percentage is definitely high at 14.3% on the season, but the IPP should more than account for that potential regression in my mind. So I do think that Rupe Hintz is a guy that we should expect to be point per game and potentially even point per game plus rest of season. Andre Kuzmenko. This is a tough one, obviously. Bench Kuzi. I did pick up Kuzmenko in one spot, and he has done absolutely nothing for me tonight, despite the Canucks putting up five goals uh, as of the time of this recording through two periods. So that's a little bit disappointing. He does have two goals in his last four before tonight, and the Underlying number is pretty solid, despite the 14 and a half minutes average time on ice. 57th in shots per 60, 27th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 4th in Corsi, 4 per 60. That's a nice number. So, yeah, I think there's clearly just a disconnect between him and the coach there at this point. 
I would love to see a trade happen. Um, send him to Toronto. Uh, I'd love to see him go on one of our top six lines. I think that'd be a good fit uh, for everybody involved. So send him our way. We'll uh, we'll put him out there, and he can score some goals alongside Matthews or alongside Nylander. Uh, but regardless, in the current situation that he's in, it's hard to trust him. I picked him up basically because of Vancouver's back-to-back tonight and tomorrow, uh, Monday night here and Tuesday night. Um and just to see what I could get out of him, basically, it was a deeper league. It was a couple, so 14-team league and not much out there uh, available. So I thought that he was probably the best that I could do in that regard. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at um, in with uh, Andre Kuzmego. Sorry, my sheet just uh, totally crapped out on me here. Um, but actually, Kuzmego was the last guy because we already talked about Kirill Marchenko. Uh, lastly here, I guess we'll close it out with a message from Nimmer. Hey Nimmer, how's it going? Hey Nate, hope all's well. Any chance PLD picks it up in the second half? Doing a great job as always. Thanks buddy. Um, I think that PLD is in a tough spot, uh, currently. I think that the Kings, you know, as of late, they've been, uh, I haven't played their best hockey and they have moved some things around. So PLD played with Kempe and Laferriere in their last game against the Capitals. And uh, the results were not good. They got absolutely caved in. So I think that that's probably going to change again at some point. And I don't, I don't really know what to expect from Dubois. It seems like he's phoning it in a little bit this year. All of his underlying stats have not been good. And that's a little bit disconcerting for sure. Uh, I think my sheet is completely broken at this point, so I don't know if this is going to work. No, I'm getting nothing. Uh, but yeah, Dubois, I just think that where he's been this year is about where we can expect uh, him to be, quite honestly. I'll look him up here on Natural Stat Trick uh, just quickly, and we can kind of talk through the season that is and see where he's you know, trending towards uh, with uh, last season and this season, it might actually be natural stat trick that's broken, and that might be why my sheet broke because I am pulling some numbers from them for that sheet. Uh, that might be why I'm having some issues over there. Um, yeah, I think the Kings really got to figure out their lines here. They got to figure out if they are gonna, you know, change things up. So right now, I'll just run through it briefly. But in the last game, they had Kopitar Moore Byfield as uh, the quote-unquote top line. They had Dano Fiala, Kaliev as one line, and then they had Dubois, Kempe, Laferriere, as I mentioned, as the other line. Uh, you know, maybe Arvidsson coming back provides another running mate for Dubois, but like on the season, they're entrusting him with less than 16 minutes average time on ice, um, which is kind of crazy given the amount of money they gave him this offseason. Uh, his shooting percentage is a touch low, but the shots per 60 is way down from the last couple seasons in Winnipeg. So that's the definitely a concerning part. Individual scoring chances for down as well. On-ice numbers are pretty solid, but not really due to anything he's doing. It's more the line mates there. Um, the on-ice shooting percentage should rebound, so you can expect some sort of positive regression in that regard from Dubois. Uh, but again, it's like a regression to what? He's got 16 points in 36 games on the season. What are we really expecting him to get up to? Like, if he gets back to like a 40 to 50 point pace somewhere in there, are you really happy with Pierre-Luc Dubois? I, I just don't think that the ceiling that um, people were hoping for with this player uh, is there at all this season. And so unless it's like, you know, 
a 16 team league or something pretty deep, then I think you're just not interested in Dubois until further notice, until we see something kind of under the hood that really tells us that something has changed in either Dubois' mindset. You know, maybe he's playing hurt. Uh, that's always a possibility. But he has zero shots, two shots, and zero shots in his last three games. Like, what are we doing here? I'm not interested uh, in Dubois at all at this point, and I don't foresee that changing anytime soon. All right, I did say that was the last one, but we got one more squeaking in. Under the wire, Scott asking, Reinhardt for Stamkos. That's a tough one, but I think I'm going to stick with Reinhardt there. Um, I don't know how much longer this hot streak will last for Reinhardt, but I think that I'm just going to ride it out if the return is Stamkos, who's probably just a lateral move, even if Reinhardt regresses. It's just a lateral move, and if Reinhardt manages to just you know keep up this bender, keep up these unsustainable percentages for the rest of the season, then uh, you have the better player in Reinhardt already so I'm uh, I'm sticking with Reinhardt there if that's who I got all right folks this has been fun but that is all that we've got for this episode I will say if you want to get your puzzling players in for next week I put out a call in the Apple Studios discord server usually somewhere around noon on Mondays so get in there and watch for that call and then get your player written in there and hopefully we get to it here in the live show so definitely go ahead and do that for next week. I'll be running these 8 p.m. EST live shows for the rest of the fantasy season. So hopefully this brought you some value, helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. All the advanced stats you heard today came from Natural Stat Trick, which is a terrific resource. Many thanks to the band there there for supplying the music for this podcast. Be sure to check out their Spotify as well. And that's it, folks. Much love. 